man, look at this place. Oh, it looks more like a, a country club than a nursing home. Nice grass, nice people. Now, I hope you brought your bathing suit. You know what? I also I don't want to you know I don't want to discriminate against those of you that are here just for some good sports conversation. So hello, hello to you as well. Uh, welcome to Nice Grass, Nice People. Uh, I am Kyle Serlo. I am joined by my regular uh, co-host, Mr. Andy Furtick, good friend of mine. And uh, Andy, this, there's not really a lot of direction for today's podcast. We we have, we have brought you on to purely just shoot the shit for an hour. There's going to be some golf that we're going to talk. I have a little a couple football things I want to ask you. Um, but before we get to anything, we didn't get a chance to pod last week, mainly because I was sick as a fucking dog. As soon as the PGA Championship ended, I was just down. Down for like five days. I don't know what happened. My wife left town, so I was sick, alone with a child for like six days after that. And I just, I got so racked, I was like, you know what? I hope the podcasting audience can't forgive me for going, for skipping a week. But that was not going to prevent me from asking you the most serious, serious question that I've had the opportunity to ask you on this podcast. So, I need you now to let me and the rest of the listening audience know, what was it like being right next to the epicenter of the greatest sports story in the history of these United States of America? Arroyo Tribuco Golf Club, not that far from your home. The home club of Mr. Michael Block. Have you guys, how, I guess, how many Michael Block days have there been in Orange County in the last couple of weeks? First, Kyle, thanks for having me on your program. Oh, yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, the block was extremely hot, um, <laughs> in the words of Lil Wayne. Uh, it was crazy, man. And it just shows that the uh, the news cycle moves fast. He was the most loved man in America, then arguably one of the most hated men in America, then finished DFL and is maybe coming back. Uh, he made an appearance at the local Raising Canes, which oh. I didn't have a chance to go down and and see. But um, We do not have Raising Canes in Northern California. I cannot say that I have been. I haven't either. Um, sporadic locations across uh, Orange County, but I do believe there's one in Mission Viejo, pretty near Arroyo Tribuco. Okay. Um, and I did see that Blocky's hourly rate is now up to $250 for an hour lesson. Doubled. Doubled. Well, okay, so here's one thing I got to ask. Again, we're going to go a million directions on this and everything else we're doing today because I have little to no show notes. We just are here to fucking hang out. Um, did you think it was interesting when he was doing like that walk and talk during the PGA and they were like, oh, your hourly rate is 125, yada, yada, yada. And then his response was something along the lines of, yeah, like I only give lessons to my friends. Again, I'm paraphrasing here. I only really give mm-hmm. lessons to like a couple of my friends. Like I only want to work with the people that like I want to work with. And like I only give like two or three lessons a day. I could do some stuff in my office, go out. My boys like come out to the golf course after work, and then I work with my you know work with my boys. And I was thinking to myself, man, like there's like been a lot of like you know a lot of stuff made about like his lesson rate and like you know him being like a PJ instructor, but like he's not taking new students and he really doesn't give lessons. Or was that did I like did I did I hear that incorrectly? No, no, I think you heard that correctly. And the first thing I thought about. So was now like, is he just charging his boys more? He's like, sorry, I'm, I'm like, famous now. S- so you, I'm, is, yeah, I'm famous now. You will now pay me double. What do these SCPGA events pay? Because I know he wins a lot of those, but Jesus. I, 
I mean, I don't honestly. I didn't even know if they paid or not. I mean, I'm assuming since you got to be a professional, like there is like a little bit of like you know a little bit of cash to be made. I mean, I guess I, I'm guessing, but I I honestly have no fucking idea. I've never been good enough to think about playing oh, yeah, in any no kind chance. of a tournament where I could actually win money. That's not like a fucking Sunday morning skins game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, same. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was a it was a weird deal. He was like so affable, and the personality was so big. And then the fucking hole in one happens, and it's like electricity, unbelievable. I know. And I was like all in on Blocky, and then he does thirty. 30 interviews in like three days. That was the number, yes. Yeah, the the reported number was 30 different media appearances between the conclusion of the PGA Championship and the beginning of the Chuck Schwab Challenge down at Colonial on that Thursday. 30's a lot. 30's a lot. I struggle to do one podcast a week, man. I was going to say, I do your podcast (laughs) like, like, you know, bi-weekly. And sometimes I'm like, I might say some stupid shit. I mean, I'm pretty sure I recommended us to take Brooks to miss the cut. In the PGA. So, I was going to say, our Bryson takes from the PGA Tour preview did not age not particularly good. well. Did, did, did not age great. No, no. So, I mean, it's kind of expected, but it was kind of a bummer. And then he goes and, like, fires a smooth 81 on Thursday. And, you know and then, like, That is well said, though. It was down. pretty smooth. He had <laughs> every shot do- in the bag, dude. He had the fucking skull. He had the fucking chunk. He had, like, everything that you could have in the bag was on full the display Saddam. on Thursday. Yeah. It was Saddam, bunker yeah. to bunker. Um, yeah, it was it was tough. And then he like his like coming back and being like, dude, you know, I've shot fifty eight, I've shot fifty nine, like might fuck around tomorrow and go shoot fifty nine. It's like, mm, you might also fuck around and shoot like seventy six and finish DFL. I can't believe like featured group on Thursday. And that's the thing is like I I don't know if you listen to any of the other uh Golf shows you're reading any of the reporting that was going on down at Colonial last weekend. Dude, biggest crowd on the golf course by a mile following Michael Block. Like, you had Vic Hovland out there. You had, like, a lot of big names. It's Scotty fucking Scheffler, number one player in the world. And there were two, three, four times as many people following Michael Block around on Thursday as there was any other player on the golf course. That is wild. Now, I will say say this. Before I like those media appearances happen, especially, I I think... the one, the one interview, the one media appearance that he did that a lot of people took exception to, and I hope I'm getting my facts right, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but was he went on the Bob Menery podcast. Correct. Um, Bob Menery, he's famous just for having like an announcer voice and kind of does like satire, like funny videos over stuff. Am, am, am I getting Ripper this right? Ripper Magoo. Yeah, Ripper Magoo. Yeah, I, of course. <laughs> my sweet prince. Yeah, my sweet prince. Um, yeah, and honestly, I think it was like one of those situations like, because I also think he went on Pardon My Take, but... I think of the Bob Menery show as being something like that where they just get you really relaxed and they just kind of want to get you started just like bullshitting, you know, like they just want to have a good time. And I think when you're in a setting like that, if you're Michael Block and you've just done 29 fucking media appearances, you're fucking fried. You're like, yeah, why the fuck not? I'll just fucking let some takes rip. Like, who gives a fuck? Everybody likes me. Everybody knows that I'm, you know, probably not being super serious. Um, A lot of people took it seriously. When I took those comments seriously where he said that if he could hit as far as Rory McIlroy, that he'd be one of the best players in the world. Um, I I don't know. Like, the funny thing is, like, I think you're right. I feel like the golf world turned on him. When I heard that he made those comments, I just assumed he was being sarcastic. Like, I never once thought, like, he was being serious. I didn't listen to the podcast. I've just heard a couple of people, you know, I've read some pieces that people wrote about it. I heard a couple of podcasts where they talked about it. There's no fucking way he was being 
serious. Like, did, did you get a chance to listen to it? So I didn't listen to it. I saw like some of the, there was a couple like clips on Twitter. Um, that was like the video content. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and like, obviously written, it looks horrible. Right. And there's no way to, you know, see tone and, and inflection in your voice and all that stuff. I will say like the video content, like it, it wasn't like he was like, yeah, man, if I had that way, like, like how we talked to Durr, yeah. right? Like, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, as a couple elite amateur players here, like, you know, it's, I a couple think professional amateurs out here, dude, it was, it was certainly not that, it, but the other thing I think, and Durr would probably be a good guy to ask, right? But like to go out and do what he did at the PGA, obviously you're just, you're like out of body experience everything's working for you yeah you're doing everything but you probably do have to have some kind of like delusional mind to think that you have that type of game to compete with those guys right to be able to like you have to go in with that kind of mindset to be able to even do what he did for sure so do i think that's probably more of one of those, you know, internal thoughts. Maybe you do your power pose in the mirror in the morning and tell yourself that before you go out and, and you don't say it on Bob Menery's podcast with hundreds of thousands of people. Perhaps. But, um, yeah, it was it was a bit of a tough scene for our boy Blocky. So I, I was thinking this, like, in the real time. Like, on Sunday when he's, like, giving his interviews, they're, like, showing him, you know, walking, you know, walking off the 18th green, high-fiving all these people. He's, like... You know, the biggest story in the golf world and it's like he just finished 15th at a major championship and it's like you know the leaders are coming down the home stretch and the cameras are focused on this amp you know this this club pro it's like it, it's really really amazing and then of course you know not long after that you know they show him you know, the video of him getting a phone call from the tournament director uh for last week's charles schwab where he gets a sponsor's invite and stuff like that and i remember thinking to myself in real time again this so this is before he'd done any of the media appearances before the public had kind of turned on him. I was thinking to myself, man, I know he can't do it because like it's a chance to make more money, but man, the best thing he could possibly do is not take that exemption and just go back home and just ride like off into the sunset. and just ride off into the fucking sunset and just have it just be this epic. Because I, I just had that feeling that like what America loves to do this, right? I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe the, all over like they love to build someone up and then tear him the fuck down, right? Yeah. And it just unless he was going to go out and fucking compete again, which I don't think anybody, including Michael Block, really had a, a serious expectation that he was going to contend. Mm-hmm. Unless he contended, not just made the cup, but unless he fucking contended, people are going to be like, fucking yeah. whatever, dude. Like, all right, cool. Flash like, pan, we were super grass, into it four dude. days ago, yeah. but fucking. I'm, totally. You know, so it's like, I in real time, I just had the sense that it would have been the right move. And then, unfortunately, it played out not too dissimilar from the way that I was kind of suspecting. I will say, when I texted you and Durr, because we had, after we did our preview podcast, we had a little chain going, and I was being sarcastic, and I was like, can you fucking believe they're showing Michael Block walking to the fucking clubhouse and putting the fucking leaders on tape delay? This is unbelievable. And all of a sudden, I got crickets. I got nothing. No, neither of you guys texted, <laughs> neither of you guys wrote me back. I was like, hmm, my jokes aren't playing very well. These guys are, are full blockheads. Like, these, these guys don't, want, these guys so don't want to fucking hear it. They're, they're like, I'm, 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 you know, it's a goddamn superhero. But uh, I, I was kind of just piggybacking on, because I know you're obviously a big uh, No Laying Up fan like I am. I, th- I think those guys do awesome work. And uh, Phil Landis, or Big Randy, is a member of their crew. 
was was anti block all weekend. Yeah. And honestly, man, I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just I'm also an asshole. I just fucking love satire. But like the people, like the jokes and the people that were going on the internet that were just so angry at the Michael Block experience, I could not stop laughing. I thought that was the funniest fucking bit that I think I've heard like in the golf world maybe in years. I I just could not get enough. Like when Michael Block makes that up and down on 18 and Jim Nance is saying, oh, this is one of the most miraculous up and downs in the history of golf. And you just see people on, in the history of golf, are you fucking kidding me? 15th place, who gives a fuck? And I was just like, I can't can't get enough of this. This is so good. Dude, I mean, it was, it was truly for the, the Twitter trolls. uh, What a time to be alive. I mean, you also had the people that were basic, you know, I, my four-year-old son was watching this and burst into tears because he was so inspired by Block's, you know, rags to riches story. And it's like, Jesus Christ, man. Like the, the cloud chasers that come out in times like that are just unbelievable. But uh, I, I mean, I loved it. I loved every, I loved that's, a, that's the thing is like, of it. I felt conflicted because I, I loved the Michael Block story as it was happening at Oak Hill. And I simultaneously, could not stop laughing and loved all the fucking people that were just like mocking me and like this is fucking like honestly i think the best thing i saw all that weekend was <laughs> the the meme that people sent out where it was the fucking clip from happy gilmore i think i, think I might have sent it to you and dirt yeah, too yeah. the clip where it's basically like you know brooks kepka getting asked about michael block and it's just the fucking shit we're having oh what'd you think of happy gilmore oh yeah wait fish dead last Okay. Didn't yeah. have, didn't yeah, have a chance to watch him. Was too busy winning the fucking tournament. Yeah, I was too busy winning. <laughs> I was like, God. Uh, I was like, I wonder if that's actually how. I, I know, like Brooks, like dapped him up after the round. I'm sure he was like this, but there's got to be a little part of Brooks. Kept was like, brother, I just fucking reascended to the top of the fucking golf world, and you jackoffs are talking about the fucking 15th place jabroni from Southern California. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. I... What a what a story! What a what a week! I know. So uh, so actually, so this is what I what I'm very curious about, right? Is because like when I go back and I think of major championships that are like more than a year in the rearview mirror, like a lot of times I do, you know, most of the time I feel like I remember who won. Or there's usually just like one or two things about the tournament that you mm-hmm. kind of like. Oh yeah, it was like that tournament where like this happened or something like that happened. Do you think like five years from now people are going to remember this PJ Championship at Oak Hill? More for Brooks Kepka getting back to the top of the mountain, or for Michael Block's fifteenth place. <laughs> I or so like more even or something even more specific, like the the hole in one from Blocky on on the back. I, yeah, I was I I was thinking, but I I just think I think the difference between how we look at it next year this time versus five years from now at this time will be completely different. Yeah, right. I think point. next year at this time it'll be like, oh fuck, remember Blocky, dude? Like, I wonder if there'll be like another PGA pro that goes out and goes nuts, and I wonder if people are starting to take different PGA pros in their fucking pool. How many people are going to take Blocky? I think five years from now it'll be like, fuck, dude, remember when Kepka won his fifth after leaving for live and being broken down in a shell of himself on full swing and like. So I think history will remember it correctly. I think recent history will will have that little giggle fest again of like sure. hey remember fucking blocky last year <laughs> uh have you been to or driven by arroyo trabuco since it all took place not since um is there just people league? waiting in the parking lot for him to show up like i want to know does, is he does he show up to the golf course now like it's a fucking nba game where he's got a different he's you know picks his fit out to walk from his car you know in the parking lot yeah, and, and you know into his office in the, in the golf he's shop got the rolls royce phantom pulled up outside now i, I, I hope uh, so man 
I, I will say this. I thought he would have taken home more scratch for 15th place. It ended. I think his payday ended up being like $270,000, which, again, that's fucking sick. But I don't know. Yeah. For, for whatever reason, I would have thought like tied for like 15th or better. Everybody was going to be making like 300 k or more. But yeah, for some reason, I had like a like a 450 number in my mind. Yeah, I, until you said 270, I thought it was maybe it's just because so many people tied for 50. I, I I don't really know. I, I guess in 2023, you know, God, inflation. It's the word. Is 270 like a sufficient amount of money for finishing 15th place in the PGA? Like, is that is that life changing money? Um, I mean, I imagine he's got to be doing pretty well, like generally, especially if he's only given three lessons a week to his buddies and working with his kids. Apparently his, his, uh, eldest is turning pro after he, he's like in the state championship right now. And then he's turning pro. Well, so like when we were getting ready to do our PGA championship preview and we had our group text going with Durr. And like you know, and I think it was like after day one, we we're like Michael Block, and he was like, "Bro, his kid's a problem." And Dur, you know, Dur's locked in when it comes to like yeah. amateur oh, yeah. like golf in Southern California and stuff like that. And he started sending us like, "What's it? His kiddo's already like a plus four and a half." Dude, I looked. Blocky's a four six, and his kid's like a four nine at Jesus. seventeen or eighteen. So the kiddo's gonna just skip college and go straight to the pros. That's what I saw. I think I saw it. Did he not learn anything from his dad like a week ago? Like, what what is he doing? Well, and see, that would have been sick, right? Like, right off into the sunset, put all the hype into your son, right? Like, hey, you guys think I'm good. Wait till you see my son. He's really working. He's going to go pro now. He's doing corn farrier. He's going to do whatever. And Blocky's on the bag, and maybe he gets the sponsor's exemption. And, like, I don't know. I, I would love to know. Like, Hindsight's twenty twenty, but you're getting the bag. You I was going to say, like, who, who was advising Michael Block? Because, again, like, I think you... Well, he sounds... got a fucking agent. Well, he got an agent, but his agent must be fucking awful. Because, like, if I'm his agent, I'm telling him the same thing I just shared with you. Because I feel like if Michael Block, the only thing that we know of Michael Block is his performance at the PGA. And, like, we don't hear, we don't, like, watch him play golf again until next year's PGA since he qualified. Dude, there was a media career just sitting there for Michael Block. Can you imagine, totally. like, the club pro who finished, like, Michael Block could have gone on and had, like, a spot on the fucking golf channel where he would have been making good money living a cushy life if he really wanted to. Um, totally. Now, whether that's, whether that's something he wanted to do, I, it probably isn't. Otherwise, I'm sure if his agent is fucking good at all, he would have made that very, very clear that that was probably going to be an opportunity. Um, yeah. Like, dude, you were electric in your interviews. People love you. You can do like a... You could do... Get so, like a Smiley Kaufman gig. Honestly, like something... Michael, I'm your agent. You can do no wrong right now. Literally, the only thing that I would tell you that you can't do is tell everybody that you'd be better than Roy McIlroy if you were younger and that you're the best golfer in the world and that you're as good as all these guys on the PGA Tour and then promptly go out and shoot 81 and miss a cut. As long as you don't do that... DFL. Yeah, as long as you don't do that, you will be totally good. And fucking Michael Block was like, hold my beer, bro, don't you? Yeah, (laughs) totally. You think he's going to... Is he going to play in the RBC? So he has, as far as I know, accepted his sponsor exemption into the RBC... Uh, whether he plays, I don't know. I'm assuming he will play. And then if, if he I does mean, play, what does he have to do in order to, because again, America, you know, we have such fucking short attention spans now that like, totally. you know, a couple of weeks from now, only the fucking golf sickos are going to like be thinking about and talking about Michael Block. I'm sure, you know, he will be fading from like the sports consciousness of the casual sports fan pretty quickly if he hasn't already. Um, 
But if, when he goes back, you know, I don't know how much press he's going to get. I don't know how much the media is going to want to follow the Michael Block story at the Canadian Open. What would he have to do there in order for people to be like, ah, yeah, Michael Block, cool, man? Dude, I mean... Just make a cut? I think it's... I No, I think it's less what you're doing on the golf course and more like, you know, whether you go back on Mentory or you do your, you know, pregame press conference or whatever and be like, so kind of made a fucking ass of myself there, huh? Got a little <laughs> bit out over my skis on that one. Like, you know, like kind of lean back into like the humble... Hat tip, me, what the, you know, like that thing that, that seems you were like... doing before. And I think at that point, you go out and shoot 81-81, who fucking cares, right? Like it's, you're, you're back in the, I think you, you, you know. If anything, if of... he goes back to being the nice guy and then shoots another 81 and misses another cut, there's a little, like for me at least, I'd be like, man, this just makes me do the PJ even that much fucking more wild. Totally. Which I, I totally. would actually make me appreciate it more. It's like, damn, this fucking dude that's like struggling to break. Like, one, it would remind me how fucking good the dudes on tour actually are. That they can go out and shoot and play that well every fucking weekend. Whereas like the common man, you know, like normal people like, well, Michael Block's not really like us. But he's like us. For the, for the, for the you know, for, for yeah. you know, for this conversation, he's like us. Uh, you know, playing elite like that level of golf all the fucking time, it's just just not in the fucking cards no matter if you're fucking plus four and a half right yeah. and uh for him to like go back to being humble and you know just kind of being like the yeah of course I, like I, i'm sorry i just you know i was fucking exhausted i was fucking Total. you know i was on a That's fucking i was on an emotional like, bender i started fucking talking out of my ass like i don't fuck honestly i yeah i don't even i didn't even know what i was fucking saying and then go ahead i actually think you'd be fine Dude, but I did see, so on the, so they have like, a, and I don't know, I'm sure this was probably there before, but they have, you know, one of the pin boards that you'll see at golf courses, right, with like head pro this, so they have on Blocky's thing, head pro, 15th place, PGA, this, 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 but he does have course record at Arroyo, 59, course record at Dove Canyon, 58. Jesus Christ. So I mean he's he he has game obviously. And, well, yeah, and you've told me Arroyo's like a fucking pretty hard golf course, isn't it? Isn't there just trouble oh, yeah. ever out there? Like, what is his like, yeah. his golf course that he works at that he's a pro? Like, what is it like? So it is kind of like in a canyon, um, and like the you know inland Mission Viejo. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely has. It's not super long. And it definitely has some interesting holes, rollouts, um, like short, kind of some some quirky short holes. Um, has this really number six is like one of the weirdest holes of all time. It's like a two hundred and seventy yard uphill par four, but it has it's like a split fairway where hmm. it's like a ravine in the middle, and so you can only hit it to like max uphill 150 unless you go for it and the green is small and kind of uh tiered and has trouble all around it and so it's an easy par if you hit eight iron off the tee you go eight iron pitching wedge and you're fine if you try to go for it you're probably going to lose a ball and you can make an easy five or six. Um, Care, do, do you have a, like, want to take a guess like what the carry would be if you wanted to try to go for it? Like two fifty. I mean, it's not huge, but it's uphill, and there's just like nowhere to miss it. 
Like there's a big bunker that's like front left that kind of wraps around all the way to the middle of the green. Left of that is completely dead. Short is dead. And then right is like a like a hill, like overgrown hill that's like, you know, rattlesnake territory. Dude, like if I could not... hit it if I could hit it as far as Rory hits it, I'd fucking make two there all day long, dude. <laughs> if I hit as far as Rory hit it, I hit like a six iron and yeah. put it on the green. Sick. Um but yeah, it's I mean it's it's like a it's a fun golf course. It's always in really good shape. It's like impossible to get a tee time. It was impossible to get a tee time before the blocky thing, so I can only imagine now. Um they had some issues And you gotta navigate all the fans waiting in the parking lot. Totally. They had some issues like years ago with like some weird like fungus that was growing on the greens and so the green speeds were really inconsistent, like hole to huh. hole. Where they would even have like signs like, Hey, this basically like this green is fucked. Um it's going to play significantly slower than some of the other ones. Um, but like fun course and you can, you can definitely score out there. You don't, you definitely don't have to be a bomber. Um, but it's tight. Like you, you want to hit, there's, there's a lot of trouble on both sides. You want to be able to, you know, if you can, but if you can hit the ball in the middle of the fairway, 250, you have great opportunity to go low. I, I played for the first time in like almost three weeks yesterday. Like I said, like after being like PJ championship, and then being sick, and then wife out of town. Like, I just haven't had any chance to play. And your boy was spraying it all Ooh. over the fucking yard yesterday. I hate I, that. Honestly, it's funny. It's like, for how bad I am at golf, or how inconsistently, like, I, I you know, I, I can always kind of score okay. You know, for like, for what my handicap is, like, I usually score okay. But a lot of times, especially the last, like, two years, I've been able to kind of keep it in the ballpark with the driver. It was like, and yesterday it was either... Nice, right down the middle, hit it pretty good, or we were 60 yards right. That is, a, And that's tough. This time of year where there's a lot of fescue out there, yeah, <laughs> boy, that was uh, a couple of, a lot of double bogeys we made yesterday. Yeah, um, that provides some challenges for it sure. Cer- it certainly does. By the way, how's your golf game? Uh, not bad, dude. Uh, we were talking a little bit before. Um, played like a nice little confidence booster round last week with our buddy Mark. Um, we need to get we need to get Tappy Boy back on the pod with us here pretty soon too. I know, I know. I'm sure he's chomping at the bit. We, um, yeah, a little confidence booster course I used to play in college. I used to sneak on. Um, nothing crazy about that place either, but yeah, I shot like a smooth 77. But I'm losing a lot of like I had that exceptional round which like totally screwed my handicap, and I've been fighting it for the last seven months so um as of right now i I, only because you mentioned it very briefly before we hit the record button so you're sitting at like a five or something right now is that correct yeah five one but you're really looking forward to some really low scores dropping out of your last 20 that Mm -hmm. is probably going to come in the next couple rounds that you play where do you expect the handicap to bounce up to once those get out of your last 20 scores well you know what's crazy is the fucking soft cap like I'm gonna get hit with a soft cap at I think right, I got ex- down explain to me lowest. explain to me and the and the people listening exactly what the soft cap is again because I'm still not a hundred percent sure like they won't let you go up more than like a certain amount in like a, yes. in a like a short period of time so and this will be a, you probably get a lot better answer from Chat GPT or Google <laughs> that I'll give you right now but not from uh, what I've been hearing man <laughs> these guys are setting us up for failure my understanding is basically. What they're trying to do is either to avoid like sandbaggers or to make sure that like a few really bad rounds don't like blow your handicap up. Sure. While a few really good rounds can like mega drop you. Yeah. So 
Which I get. It makes get, sense because the handicap's supposed to be on your potential. So, like, I kind of totally. get it. So, but, yeah, sorry you, to interrupt you. Your, your 12-month low, if you get above three... If your handicap goes three strokes higher than your 12-month low. So, for me, I think my 12-month low is like a 4-3. Mm-hmm. So, once I get to a 7-3, the amount that it can go up per like can't, round... Uh-huh. Is reduced fifty percent. Hmm. Interesting. So it's not it. You could go above a seven point three then within the year. I could. The, okay. The hard cap. It's not a cap is, like you can't like go up more than three in like a year. Okay. The, right. So that's the soft cap, and then the hard cap is five. So the highest that I could go in the next twelve months would be a nine three. Okay. So what happens when somebody just fucking loses it? You get the shanks. You're just fucked. God, it's fucking tough. I mean, to be fair, if you got the shanks, you're probably not playing any money games. You're probably not playing any tournaments. But, like, that's kind of rough, dude. Things can change very fast. Well, and it just takes one round. You know, like that. And so that exceptional, I think it's called, like, ESC, the exceptional score. Are you sure you shot a score that low? Yeah, basically. Uh, If it's, if you shoot, if if your differential is seven below your index, Mm -hmm. then... It takes not only does it is it obviously a huge pop on that, but it reduces all of your last twenty by an additional one. Wait, what? Yeah. So this is how this is how I got down to a four point three. Because I shot a seventy three from the tips one day when I was playing blocky at the PGA <laughs> out of my mind. And I didn't want to play the tips. I got like conned into it with a buddy. The T's were up on like more than half the holes. But the 73, because we were playing from the tips, the differential was like a point. It was like 7.1. It took me from like a 6 or like a 7.5 to a 5.2 overnight. Wow. Jesus. That's a big drop. And then you have those 20 scores. So if you're not playing regularly, like I'm, I still have those adjusted how long ago was that that 73 happened how how long have you just been having to look at your handicap being like wow why why does it do right now yeah please please do it's it's, it's, you know we're doing a little bit of uh you know uh, research here for all of you fine folks listening you know andy is going to go because i remember it was obviously before we went to bandon last november it was august 19th of 22 man we're coming up on a year which means if i have three i have three rounds i have to get out before before that one leaves. So which that was a point two differential. So that begs the question. Seven three. We're still not quite twenty rounds removed from golf that was happening last August. What's yeah, wrong with you? It's a problem. I don't know. It's a problem. Are you just not posting or are you actually playing that little golf? No, no, I'm posting. I mean I'm I'm playing a lot of like little hit and giggles with, know, uh, with the wife or something. Yeah, no, yeah, like executive courses, nine holes, um, like the reason I didn't respond to your blocky text is because I jumped out to a couple scramble at Tustin Ranch with the wife and another couple um, to play like a quick nine that Sunday evening. So yeah, it's been like more of that. But every round that I'm uh, that I'm playing, I'm I'm putting in. I do have to tell you, um, I'm going out to see uh, a customer of mine next week in Arizona, mm-hmm. and we are going to play Greyhawk a week removed from the NCAA championships. No shit. Did yeah. You, did you get to watch much of these NCAAs this past weekend? 
I didn't. I, I caught some of the highlights. Uh, big Rose Zang guy from Irvine. So got to represent. Um, yes. Is, is her professional like, debut happening like a, this weekend or is it next weekend? Yeah, I think she yeah, shot. this weekend. I think she's T5 after round one today. I mean, is unless I'm mistaken, she is more or less the most accomplished women's amateur golfer in history. The most accomplished collegiate golfer, regardless of gender, in history. Wow. Dude, Beat all Tigers, crazy. Stanford records. She's she's nuts. Yeah. I really like that. Uh, I mean, we, we keep pumping them up because they do really good work, so we might as well. That, uh, that video that No Laying Up did like a year, two years ago on the Stanford women's golf yeah. team, for anybody listening that hasn't watched it yet, really, really, really good. A uh, lot of time spent with Rosong and Rachel Heck. Um, yep. Super awesome. Could I, ever since I watched that video, I remember uh, my little dude was super, super young. It was still to the point where, you know, if he'd get like a little, you know, ornery or something like that, I'd just get on like the exercise ball and just kind of bounce with him for hours at a time just to kind of like settle him down. So I was always looking for good stuff to watch because I just had so much fucking time to kill. And I remember watching that one morning, you know, while I was just bouncing with him. I was like, oh, this is actually really good. These girls are really fucking, not only are they just great at golf, they seem like cool hangs. This is, uh, yeah, cannot recommend that video enough. Um, but yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how, yeah, I honestly, I don't know what to expect from her. I mean, I, I'm just assuming she's going to be great, but I feel like when you jump from NCAAs to the pros, like anything could happen. I mean, just look, I mean, look up, look no further than Matt Wolf. I mean, wasn't Matt Wolf one of like the greatest, like, you know, college players of the last like 15 years and he's like out of golf right now. I believe he was uh, dropped from uh, uh, the Smashers, Sm- <laughs> so Smash GC. I, I don't know. Is has, has that actually been confirmed? Like, did he uh, did he walk away? Was he dropped? Like, I, I don't. I only saw that there was some reporting done that his name wasn't appearing on whatever live team he was playing for. Like, his name was gone. But I didn't know if it was like he stepped away or he just stunk, so he got dropped. But do you know? Uh, I don't think that there's been like an official statement made, but Liv's not uh, big on official statements. Is. I found. Yeah, yeah, they they generally try to avoid reputable journalists. <laughs> um, he or the journalists no just longer... fear, you know, the, the journalists are just a little scared, you know, understandably so. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, he is no longer, I think, on any of like their social pages or uh, an official member of. I think it's Smash GC, right? Not the Smashers. I'm just gonna take your word for it. I don't know shit. I don't know. I, I know, don't know fucking anything. The Skull Crushers and Are you, whatever other fucking I, names. They I'm, have. A, I'm a little surprised that you don't have a go-to live team. I was. I would, you kind of strike me as a Range Goats guy. Yeah, yeah. I heard their merch is flying off the shelves. Just flying off the shelves. Yeah, it's. Uh, all right, well, okay, we we talked a lot. Of, we talked a, a lot of block on the top of this podcast. I guess we probably just real quickly before we put a bow. I mean, how do we feel about Brooks right now? I mean, were you sure. like first of all, were you like happy? Were you indifferent? Like, how, like how did Brooks Kepka, you know, the guy who is by and large pretty unlikable by most of the golf community? I, I think there's like this. I don't know, I wouldn't call it begrudging, but there's this, like, I feel like, especially as a case for me, it's like, I respect the fucking hell out of that. That guy's so fucking totally. talented, and he's so good. Don't think I'd really want to hang out with him. No. <laughs> I do like wa- I like I do like watching Brooks Koepka play. Like, when he's playing really well, it is very compelling, but it still mm-hmm. is not nearly as compelling as watching, like, Jordan playing well and, like, being in contention or, you know, anything. I yeah. mean, obviously, nobody's as compelling to watch as Tiger, but, like, even amongst, mm-hmm. like, the, 
you know, this generation of golfers, there are certainly dudes that when they're playing well, I enjoy watching way more than Brooks Kepka. But I, I don't know. I, I'm I don't total I don't totally know how to feel about Brooks Kepka winning a fifth uh, a fifth major championship. Do you feel like it's kind of lame that three of them are PGAs? Do you actually give them credit for the full five? I give him credit for the full five. Okay. Um, I think it's remarkable what he's able to do when the lights shine the brightest, uh, especially considering kind of where we, you know, him sort of opening up and, and kind of letting people into that whole full swing thing and seeing him sort of being a shell of himself a little bit. Um, and then going to live and kind of doing this like money grab thing and, and kind of just coasting along. And I mean, I think he's kind of said it right. Like, I don't know that he, um, if he was at the top of his game that, you know, he would have made that same decision. I, I've heard um, from multiple sources that a big part of his decision to leave for live golf is that he wasn't totally sure if his body would ever be right again or if he'd yeah. ever be able to play well again. So he kind of just wanted to cash in while he had the chance. And it's also been reported that there's he's the only person that I know of who's playing on the Live Tour where there's actually been reports of him showing interest or at least talking to people yeah, to inquire about how back. to get back to the PGA Tour, which is interesting. I, I, I think for a lot of golf fans like myself, it certainly, I wouldn't say it makes him more endearing, but it certainly mm-hmm. makes me be like, instead of being like, oh, fucking Brooks won. Like when he won, I was like, dude, you know what, like, fuck, good for Brooks, man. Fucking respect. Yeah. yeah, same. I mean, it's just, like, I remember his stretch, and, like, I got on, the, honestly, like, one of the main reasons I remember is because I started betting on him, like, top five, top ten in majors, and he was just, like, auto cash every week. And the fact, like, I think he, some of his study, you know, he's a little bombastic, right, with the, you know, I don't really care about this shit, and, you know, I'm here for the majors, but to be able to back that up, and to have five, um, I mean, it's clearly working, and, like, arguably, the live model is somewhat better for somebody like him, right, he could be... Certainly better for Phil Mickelson. (laughs) He made made that very clear. He could be considered really the only guy that's, like, benefiting from this, right? He's, like, coming back from kind of a major injury. He doesn't really give a shit about going to the RBC or no, the I, John Deere. Or... I, I think the best thing for Brooks is exactly what you're saying in that he never gave a shit about any PGA Tour event that wasn't a major. And people always be like, come on, man. Like, you're so good. Like, you can't fucking, like, care a little bit about these other teams. Like, there's still a lot of money on the line, like, if you want to be a really great player like fucking Tiger, Tiger tried to win everything. It wasn't like he mm-hmm. only got up for majors. He was just good all the time. Like, if you want to be an all-time great, like, you need to be kind of bringing your A-game a little more often. Where now he's at live. Now, nobody gives a fuck that he doesn't give us, you know, no. two shits nobody, about the, nobody like, the other golf. Nobody even knows that he doesn't care because no one's paying attention. Yeah, exactly. So for that, it seems like live is good for him. I don't know if it's really helping him tune up. Who could say? No, I don't think it's helping him to. I, I get and and again, like the whole idea of like it being less of a grind. Like, well, is it less of a grind? Because like, I don't. Know, they got to travel more like than the PGA to Tour guys. Singapore before yeah, man. the the U.S. Open. Like yeah. that's not an easy trip. I've never been to Singapore, but I would imagine. I have been to Singapore, and let me tell you, brother, the weather there right now is going to be fucking rough. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like, 
that part of the world is so fucking awesome. But dude, the heat and that humidity that's going on there at like summertime is if you're an American, especially if you're a Californian, it is unbearable. Like it's actually, I mean, I don't know. He's a Florida guy, so maybe he's a little more used to it. Like I, I don't know. I again, I'm soft. I've spent most of my life in California. The couple years that I did live abroad, uh, and I spent you know spent a few years in the Far East myself. Uh, it was fucking rough. It was really fucking rough, man. That humidity did not agree with your guy yeah. at all. But, I mean, if you look at the list of guys that have won five majors, right, it's, like, pretty rare company that Dude. he's now. Well, that I think that's with. what I was asking you. Is like, do you count the full five? Because if you look at that list, I mean, the only modern golfers, like, the only golfers really of our lifetime that have gotten to five are Tiger, Phil, Brooks Kepka, Ernie Els. No, Ernie didn't even get to five. I don't think Ernie got to five. It's literally just like Tiger Phil and now Brooks fucking Kepka. Like, I mean, if you go a little further back, you have like Tom Watson. And I think there's 20 total, right? But like for yeah, this generation, right what's I mean? Like this generation, especially all the guys that are like on tour now, like, you know, your Spieths, Tom, that whole generation, nobody has five except for Kepka. Like, it just, he's, he's kind of, I don't know. Can you call him the alpha dog of this generation based on his major performance? Or does he have to have like, been a little better across the board to be like a true alpha. I mean, who else? Who else is it in this like you know post twenty two thousand two thousand ten? Like, I mean, you know, you have Spieth and Rory. I mean, if we're just using majors, then like Spieth has three. Rory has four. Rory has four. I mean, that's the thing. Is like, does anybody? I don't, know, I don't know how to ask this. What percentage of golfers or golf fans still consider Rory to be the superior player to Brooks Kepko? Because he's won a lot more times on tour, but he's won yeah, one fewer I mean, major. I, that's interesting. I would still say that. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, so I'm looking at the list now. Yeah. Guys with five. Brooks, Seve, Byron Nelson, Peter Thompson, Jay Taylor, who I assume is not a contemporary of Brooks Kepka. No, no, not not. Says no. Jay period Taylor on this yeah. list, uh, and James Braid, who I'm not familiar with uh, with his work. Amazing sure. golf course architect, James Braid. Designed a lot of courses in Scotland, I believe. Did Glen Eagles? I think he did. Uh, what is that uh, golf course that has all the goats and stuff that are like running around? Where they put the little, uh, not Ely. Anyway, he's a little great golf course architect. I, you know, before I start talking about yeah. my ass, I'll just shut up. Um, more than the likes of Raymond Floyd, Ernie Els, Bobby Jones, Roy McIlroy. But that's the thing. Old is like, and young Tom Morris. Brooks Kepka is now basically like, I don't know, is Brooks Kepka this generation's Raymond Floyd? The guy that is just like perpetually super fucking good that isn't necessarily like a lot of people's favorite golfer, but it's just fucking stones. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I and he might win more. Yeah. Like what? What does what does the list go to once you get to six? So six is Phil, Lee Trevino, and Faldo. I mean that's. <laughs> and seven, you get Harry Varden, Arnold Palmer, Sam Snead, Sarazen, Bobby Jones. So like, dude, like Brooks Kepka's. I mean, Brooks Kepka's already a Hall of Famer. 
I mean, he's already. It's again, not out of the question that he gets to seven, eight. Well, that's what I mean. Like Tom Brooks Kepka could quit. Yeah, Brooks Kepka could quit right now, where his basically apex is, you know, six or seven years, but it's just what three super dominant years with like, you know, one major like a couple years after that. It's not like he's been super good for a long time. Like basically every other guy that's on that list, because mm-hmm. I feel like every name that you just read off, other than the first initial Taylor, what I don't know who that is. Um, Every one of those guys was like a central figure in golf for decades. Yeah. Brooks Kepka has not been that way, and I think yeah. that's why a lot of people would still gravitate towards Rory, right? Because Rory's been in the mix and has been the man for quite a bit longer than than Brooks has. But totally. dude, I mean, he's already what you know. There's only what 19 other guys that have ever won five majors besides Brooks. If he wins a sixth, mm-hmm. that puts him into a category. Where it's like no, this is like the A wing of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Only guys, people. only literally the best golfers in the history of the fucking 13th world. Person. That's fucking nuts. Brooks Kepa just yeah. does not seem like a guy, even when he's winning, you're like, yeah, that's one of the 15 best golfers in the history of the world. I, totally. That, that just doesn't cross my mind. Well, and it's hard. I mean, to your question, right? Like, is he the, the alpha of this generation or whatever? Like, in looking at these numbers, it's hard to say that he's not. But if you're thinking through it, right? Like, how many guys do you think of ahead of him that are significantly below him in these major counts, right? DJ and Spieth and JT, like Scheffler and Rom and like, are all of these guys who you think of in this like, you know, decade or decade and a half, like, I just don't think Brooks Kepka is the first name that people are like, oh yeah, he's, he's the killer. Given his... Well, given his inability to recall names of winners of certain major championships where he may or may not have competed, do you think he'll remember who Michael Block is a year, a year from now? <laughs> he'll probably remember that he didn't pay for the, the Yeah, didn't pay for the fucking hole-in-one drinks? I, I'm assuming you heard that as well from Kevin Van Valkenburg, that uh, there was no beverages bought, which is, I don't know. Hey, We hate that for my we, 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 we hate that for for the Block man. But just, you know, I don't, I don't want to see him do that. You know, it's... Uh, I want what's best for Block. I want what's best for all of us. I want what's best for the journos. That's it, man. We're 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 Team Big J. Oh, uh, it's tough. Um, I don't know, man. You, you got any last uh, little thought? I mean, I was only planning on maybe just bullshitting about the PGA with you for a couple minutes before you know just getting into a bunch of random stuff. And here we are, forty five minutes later. You know, just just too much too much stuff. I mean, I, f- I feel like we always do this. You know, we our our brief conversations never are less than an hour. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, before we go into, I wanted to actually just go through a couple uh, headlines. I, I got the newspaper out. I just uh, some non uh, some non golf, non sports related things. I just wanted to run by you and get your take on. But before we do that, uh, I am obligated to uh, mention a sponsor uh, of this episode of Nice Grass, Nice People, and today's sponsor is Caldera Lab. Uh, if I'm reading the copy here correctly, they tell me to tell all of our loyal listeners that they need to say goodbye to the generic face wash on their counter because Caldera Lab is here to save the day and their skin. And it's backed by a clinical trial where 9 out of 10 men experienced healthier and visibly improved skin. Um, And if you use the promo code NICEGRASS at calderalab.com, you can save 20% off their best products. I know... When we did our PGA preview, Andy, you had mentioned that uh, you had some positive experience with Caldera Lab. Is that is that still the case? I, I see you rubbing, I mean, I, uh, rubbing the smooth, I, I, smooth face of yours right now. Is, is that solely responsible 
to a Caldera I Lab? I use my, use my Caldera Lab this morning. I will use it this evening before I get into bed. I think the only the only downfall of our PGA preview pod was that that ad didn't get uh, mentioned earlier in in the podcast. Yep. But big fan and will you know go back to just the the beautiful glasswork that they have. Honestly, I I'm so happy to hear that. Can I can I be perfectly frank with you, Andy? Tell me about it, Kyle. I, I have had the Caldera Lab stuff sitting on my counter in my bathroom for what a month and a half now. Have not tried any of it. Have have not used oh. a sing. Have not used a single speck of any of their products. Not because I don't want to. It's just that since I became a dad, uh, my self care has been completely absent. I, anything we gotta get you on a skincare journey. I say any anything that is remotely like related to me respecting my body and you know my well being has pretty much been put on the back burner. I will say this though, if you just are the kind of guy that just loves having a nice looking counter where you have like. A girl you want to impress? This Caldera Lab shit is great, man. You you walk in there like, wow, this guy takes his takes his looks and his skin very seriously. This is the kind of guy that I you know. This is the kind of person that I want to be jiving with because they they respect themselves. So even though I don't, I haven't used it yet. I will. I don't have used it yet, but just its sheer presence on my counter does make me feel kind of you know, kind of like I don't know. Feel, makes me feel kind of important. And as if I respect yeah, I myself, mean, which I don't. Those tired dad eyes could use some of that eye serum, Kyle. That's all I'm saying. Well, uh, for anybody out there that wants, you know, that needs this just as I do and wants to look as good as our friend Andy does, uh, one more time, visit calderalab.com and use the promo code NICEGRASS to save 20% on your purchase. Okay, let's get back to it here, Dandy. Um I want to bring out the newspaper here. I, I needed. I just needed your thoughts on a couple of items. I hope you can, uh, you know, put put up with me here for a couple minutes, your brother. Um, according to the Wall Street Journal, were you seeing? Oh no, I'm sorry. This was NBC. NBC reported this. I'm sure you saw the video that was going around on uh, online. It was on Reddit. I'm sure it was on Instagram. Wherever you're finding your your social media of the people in that airplane where somebody opened the fucking door. It was just a flying airplane with a door open. Did you catch that? <laughs> Yeah, I did catch that. I, I should have fucking known. As somebody that lived in South Korea for several years, I, I, I just I should have fucking known. But according to NBC, a man was arrested in South Korea after he opened a plane's emergency exit door while it was at 700 feet. And the 33-year-old said he, quote, felt suffocated on the hour-long flight. So he yanked the door open, sending air rushing into the cabin and injuring 12 people. And if he's convicted of violating aviation security law, he faces a maximum of 10 years in prison andy my question to you is why even give him the trial should they just give him the death penalty <laughs> i mean i i have some questions i i i, 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 I want to hear your questions because i feel like we need to talk through this because that is like one of my single biggest fucking fears when i fly is that some fucking crazy asshole is just gonna fucking go rogue <laughs> and i'm just like it's like just pop the door up. i was like dude i need reliable actors in this plane i, I need people i can fucking trust we are in a fucking metal tube for forty thousand feet in the air i need everybody here to lock the fuck in and somebody going and opening a door like i fucking saw that video and i just started fucking sweating i was like i was like what the fuck is happening i, I maybe it's just because i watched way too many bond movies when i was a kid but i feel like at the end of goldfinger like when he finally you know spoiler alert when he finally kills goldfinger and he like shoots the fucking you know gun in the middle of the plane yeah. takes the window out and all of a sudden like goldfinger just gets sucked right through the window and he comes out i'm like man these people aren't getting fucking i mean it looks pretty intense but these are not getting like sucked out of the plane 
Is that just a myth? Or is it just because they were at 700 feet and not like 40,000 feet? I know you probably don't have yeah. the answers, but these are all things I'm, I'm thinking about. Yeah, not a physicist certified. Um, well, yes, just not certified. Uh, I mean, it, it, did my man just need to rip a heater? It's you're 700 feet off the <laughs> Who ground. Who could say? Like, I, we, you would have been better off just fucking light, lighting up a smoke in his fucking seat. Feel people would have cared less. You give people the option. On an hour-long flight. That's hour. like that's like our our flight to to see each other. Yeah, you know that's that's Orange County to San Francisco. You can only get through half a movie on that flight. You, you they won't even turn the TVs on by the no. time you, 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 they barely even do drink service on an hour long. No, absolutely not. I the, once I saw that it was an hour long flight and he really just needed to get a little bit of fresh air, I was like, this fucking dude's a problem. This is yeah. I mean, there there I do. I, do, I feel like there's been an influx, maybe it's post-COVID, of like these, these crazy fucking airline people where can we can we just have some kind of like basic aptitude test that people need to take to be able to get on a plane of like, you know, can we just make sure that everybody's, you know, kind of on the same page here? I mean, this is an hour-long flight. Now, I will say... Um, I dug in a little bit further to uh, the twelve people's injuries. Yes, um, we're talking about like some some ear pain. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't. Not think a lot. No of, one was, not a lot of was, serious injury. Not a lot of serious physical. Certainly, injuries. no one was sucked out of the plane. Okay, that's good to know. Goldfinger, which is good. Um, I do think that it that was has a tough end for our to Goldfinger. I got to say that <laughs> yeah. that would not be a way that I would want to go. I do think it has something to do. I think with like. The pressurization of the cabin, mm-hmm. where like you're only able to open the door if the cabin is depressurized, and they have to depressurize it once you get below a certain altitude. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, okay. And so there would like to to ease your concerns a little bit. Sure. I don't think you have to worry about a rogue actor popping the popping the door at forty thousand feet on a on a normal flight. Again, not a physicist, but. Um, that's uh, my my amateur detective work have, has has told me that, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we locked this guy away and throw away the key. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And, like, yeah, I mean, don't waste the taxpayer's dollars. Just just throw him out the door of the plane. Yeah, no, we don't, we, yeah. We're, it, it, we're all good. Yeah, he's, he's all, all good. Here. All right, so now that we've got that out of the way, I, I have to ask, now, Annie, you are happily married. Your wife is very, very lovely. So this is this is purely a hypothetical. Let's say we jump, I don't know, let's just say 50 years into the future. All right. Um, something's happened where you find yourself being a single man or, you know, you're a wealthy single man. By this time, you know, Mr. Benioff and, you know, he's given you so many, you know, just what's uh, I haven't worked, I've never worked for a public company before. What is it when you get uh, you get yeah, shares uh, and you, restricted stock units? Yeah. You, you, yeah. You just gotten, you know, so you're you're living, you know, you're living life. You're not worried about, you know, any anything monetarily. You you are you are cruising. Um, would you be down to have a kid at like 82 years old as someone who doesn't have a kid at 34 years old um and i'm worried about the energy levels that i currently have (laughs) uh i would say no two of the greatest Um, actors of the last you know 100 years you saw this the news broke that pacino at 82 knocked up his 29 year old girlfriend which i did fucking respect you know the 29 year old girlfriend like it's pretty sick bob de niro at 79 just knocking like what are these guys doing? I, I I gotta ask. Like, is it is it is it cool or is it kind of or is it or is it not cool? It's, 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 
it's a tough question to answer. The the question that I would pose back to you is, what do you think the introduction looked like for for said eighty two and seventy nine year old twenty nine year old girlfriend? Because you know it's not like they're sliding into their DMs. I imagine, right? Like, hi, what, I'm Al. <laughs> like, what? How did? And we're gonna go do it. Did did they meet in in the wild? Or is this? I just I know I, I know little to no details about how uh, these two generationally phenomenal actors um, met their respective gal pals and mm-hmm. uh, subsequently impregnated both. I mean, I have an idea of how they impregnated them. I mean, I, I have a yeah, basic yeah, understanding yeah. of how of how that works. Um, Dude, I just couldn't think of it. I was like, man, can you fucking imagine being like a 10-year-old kid and your parents are like 90? That just is like, no. that's so crazy to me. Like, I <laughs> I mean, good for yes. them. Like, I'm sh- they've got the means. They've got the money where it's like not like they're going to be stressing out trying to figure out how to fucking put food on this kid's, t- you know, on the kid's table. But like, man, that has got to be wild. I, like I said, yeah. I'm 35 years old. I'm barely keeping up with one two-year-old. I fucking see like my peers that have three kids. I'm like, you're a fucking psychopath. A really admirable psychopath that i could never i could never do what you do and i'm yeah. like 90 years old fucking kyle with a fucking two-year-old like jesus christ man i'm the dude i mean i think about like as somebody who my parents were older when they had both my brother and i and like my dad jokes about like he would go to my younger brother's basketball games and they'd be like oh you're here to watch your grandson and he would just be like yeah i just got tired of correcting people so i would just say yeah <laughs> um and like they had us like in their early 40s like, Which is pretty wild, because, like, double. well, that, see, that's so crazy, because, like, yeah, like, for, like, relatively speaking, your parents were, like, I think my folks were, my folks were considered older when they had me and my sister. I think they were 36 and 40 when they had us. So, yeah, man, 82. 82, and, and, and she just found out. They just announced, like, that kid's not going to be born for several more months. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I lean to the side of not cool. Yeah. But, like, also, congrats like, to them, I Well, guess. I, I guess here's the thing, is, like, if you're that old and you've done that much stuff, like, are you thinking, are you not getting, are you not getting a vasectomy just because you're, you're like, you know, I just may want one more. Or is, are you just yeah. like, just, or is it just like, I just don't want to get a vasectomy just be on principle or like, I, again, maybe it's just our generation. When I know for a fact that I definitely don't want to have any more kids, I'm getting the fucking snip like 100%. that. I mean, 100%. I mean, I'm thinking about like freezing some eggs right now and getting snipped just as a precaution. Like to be to, to have that as many means as those guys have, and not and you know, and, and still just be out there just firing fucking shots, you know, like Clay Thompson out there in fucking Game Six. It, it just it's just fucking crazy to me. I couldn't fucking believe it. And I got I heard the Bob De Niro news, and I was like, wow, that is wild. And then the fucking Al Pacino news drops a couple days later. I'm like, these motherfuckers don't want to get one up, dude. Unbelievable. I, I honestly saw it, and I like. Because I like kind of get them convoluted in my mind anyway, right? Yeah. And so when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, I already saw that article." But I'm like, "Did he get older?" And then I was like, "Oh no, it's both of them." It's it's unbelievably shocking. Yeah, unbel- unbelievable news story. I just I just I, but I fucking love Al Pacino and I love Robert De Niro. I, totally. admittedly, I I'm a bit. I wouldn't go so far as to call myself a cinephile because it's just a weird name and like I don't not. I'm not that into it, but like I fucking love movies. Like if I, if I have to choose between watching like a show or watching like movies, I'll almost always choose like to watch a movie. 
I kind of like th- I like the idea of being able to like sit down and like watch a whole story from start to finish in like one sitting. Like, I have to admit, even though I've watched the first season, I haven't watched it not because I don't like it, because I just am like so worried about the time commitment that I need. To- I still haven't watched Succession. Did you finish? Of course. I mean, I know, I know, I know. I'm missing. Like, I watched the first season and I fucking loved it, but I was like, I have to put pause. I have to pause this because, like, I have some like stuff to do. I'll finish watching here, and, and then I just never got around to it. And then it's like, well, it can be like your little mini movie now. Now you have the you you have we have the the means to binge it. And uh, do do you have any I think- do you have any succession thoughts you want to? This is actually a great opportunity. Do you, do you have any thoughts on succession that you feel you need to put out into the ether right now? I'll give you no spoilers. I do know. I, I do. I do know some stuff. I mean, it's it's been hard to avoid just because it has like been such a central Indeed. part of like the culture of the last you know couple years, especially the last couple months when the last season's been going on. So I do know a lot of the key plot points that have taken place. So for anybody that has never watched it and doesn't want to know, I'll give you a little spoiler warning right now. Okay. Uh, so you've been warned. Skip ahead a couple minutes if you want to. You know, hear something else. But yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Like, what, what what's your thoughts on everything? Because this. I feel like there hasn't really been something that's been at the center of like pop culture, like Succession, mm. kind of since Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think the best part about Succession, like, I think people were turned off for Succession for for two reasons. Number one, and probably the main one, is like there are really no redeemable characters in the show. There are no one. There's no. That's one what I actually love about it. Root for. Yeah. Which yeah, I, I was. I, I have no problem with that. I think it's kind of fun. I mean, I watched trash television. All Dude, I'll say so I watched like, Survivor. Everybody on Survivor yeah. sucks. Like, and uh, I'm, yeah. I'm not. I'm never gonna not watch it. So it's like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, and then the like business stuff, right? People are like, well, I don't understand like what's happening with the mergers and acquisition, and like, no one understands. Like anyone that tells you that they understand, it, <laughs> you've been like, in the corporate world for how long now, Andy? And you're just like, I, yeah, I, I, fucking, I, I don't know. Yeah, the, the, you know, the takeover, bear hug, no one fucking knows what's really <laughs> happening there. It doesn't matter. What is incredible about the show is the the dialogue, like the actual writing itself is phenomenal. The yeah. one-liners. Um, the socioeconomic the weird... health of multiple continents is on the line right now. Are you yeah. fucking serious? <laughs> the, the weird dynamic, like, there's a lot of, there's just like strange kind of, uh, emotionally stunted people and the acting is so good um, in terms of like that like you watch it and you're just like oh god it's like awkward and like there's like weird pauses and like the 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 cadence of the dialogue is strange like it's not like they're not like smooth operators well that's it this is like right up my alley like i i i, I think it's just the, the time commitment i think is the one thing that's kept me from oh. watching it so far but I, I i am going to watch it at some point soon it and I would say like the last season. Um, yeah, how would you how would you rate the seasons? Like, if you had to go like if you had to power rank the four seasons of Succession, how? Because I, I would love to know kind of like when I should be. I mean, are they just all equally good? They're all very good. Okay. Um, I think two. And I'm not just saying this because this is the season that you're on. I think two is probably my favorite. Do you get to see Tom swallow any more of his own loads after the first season? <laughs> No, no, oh, you don't. That's that disappointing. Um, but um, two is great. And like, there's two episodes in season four, like two specific dialogues. A dialogue between Skarsgård and Kieran Culkin 
in season four where they're like on top of the mountain after the father dies um and kieran Culkin kind of just unloads on him of like you fucking scumbag like you you know two days after our father died you make us fly to switzerland to like come meet you to like negotiate this like fuck you um i thought was very powerful and then um the funeral episode with him kind of melting down and the scene of Shiv and Tom kind of hashing out their like issues of like really finally unleashing on each other um, was just like unreal, like, like theatric emotion. And like, it, it was just, it just was a, sick. A well-made like, per, like great production, great acting, great totally. writing. Yeah. So, and it was like great to like, even though it like, I could have certain like, and the the music is amazing, and like the wealth porn aspect of it, of like them being in like dope places and amazing, like all that stuff. Like I love, like it's a very visually appealing, like sensorily appealing show. I guess like the music and yeah. the visuals are awesome. The, the score, from what I uh, from the first season at least, I don't know if it's different than the rest, but the score is great. One thing I've noticed, I've read a couple articles on this, and I've heard it, people talking about it on a few podcasts that I listen to, is that the fashion of succession is becoming very very popular where um i don't know if it's just like you know younger people if it's people our age that have like but basically the whole th- sense of just really high quality clothing that doesn't have any logos it's like tailored to you just with like nice materials just like almost kind of the way clothes used to be 100 years ago right mm-hmm. do you have any desire to retrofit your wardrobe to be a little bit more succession-esque you know i don't there's not uh, enough suave golf logos on, on, on their stuff that's my only problem <laughs> As I'm as I'm wearing my uh, Pushcart Mafia T-shirt, <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> no, but I do I do like a nice uh, you know fitting T-shirt. I would hope plain so. Plain T-shirt. Um, and why I love your Suave Golf merch is that it's Much very understated logos um, and a sweet logo at that. Much appreciated. Um, but no, I haven't uh, I haven't retrofitted any any outfits quite yet. Well, last thing for the, the TV. Where does Succession stand in your... I don't know, would you put it in the pantheon of, of favorite TV shows? Yeah, so embarrassingly... I guess not really embarrassingly for me. I am not <laughs> a Game of Thrones guy. That's, that's um, fair. I wouldn't put Game of Thrones among my like favorite TV shows ever. And so I would say... I would say it fits squarely in like the top five. Okay. With like the likes of like Sopranos and Breaking Bad and The Wire, um, and then if we're kind of going into like Seinfeld, yeah, you know, like like those like I would I would kind of put those in, and I'm sure it's like I I think it'd be great to do a rewatch on, especially because it's like so. The good thing about Succession is like it's not one of those that like fucked it up where you're like god i wish they just didn't make that last like two seasons yeah like Which... it just you know it kind of left everybody wanting more i think the ending was like very satisfying in a way of like huh like yeah i'm into that i'm, okay. I'm cool with that yeah because i don't know for me but like i feel like a lot of my favorite shows i've ever watched it's only just been like one great season right like that like the one season specifically is like that's the best like I think of like House of Cards, the first season House of, of ha- the first season of House of Cards. I still would contend is maybe the greatest season of television ever made, 
But it obviously goes downhill afterwards, and now you know it's even more complicated now that we know yeah. that it's been confirmed how much of a creep Kevin Spacey is. But like, um, but yeah, dude, the first season of House of Cards, maybe one of the greatest seasons of television, if not the greatest. Same thing with the first season of True Detective. I would put like, yep. there's a, you know, and so it's kind of wild that succession. Oh, I thought um, Madam Secretary was fucking excellent. Uh, you big Madam like Secretary the, guy? Big Madam Secretary. Guy. What are you, you, Very I, good show. Honestly, my wife has watched a lot of Madam Secretary, which means I've watched a lot of Madam Secretary. Uh, where do we stand on Tia Leone? Sauce packet or? Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. Just wanted. Absolutely. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. She's a. Yeah. She's she's a good looking gal. I like I like I like me a little Tia Leone. Um. All right. One one last little uh, news thing. You're obviously. You know, you're a man who enjoys putting a few shekels down on a on a on a sporting event here and there. One thing I mm-hmm. don't know is because we haven't really had a chance. I think we've only been to the casino together once when we were at the Nation a couple mm-hmm. years ago down in mm-hmm. Palm Desert. Do you do you fancy yourself uh, some, some time in the casino, or do you prefer sports betting? Um, I do. Like if I'm if it's you know available to me and nearby, I certainly will will dabble but um like it, i is it fun it, to the point where like if you're putting like a golf trip together or you know let's, let's say like i'm coordinating a golf trip for us right would you want me to like go somewhere where gambling is legal as opposed to like if everything else was the same like golf was same quality whatever but it's like we had the option to go in somewhere where you know there's casinos versus not would that be like a deciding factor of you for like where to go for a weekend um Probably like ten years ago, it would have been. Okay. At this point, I'm kind of like, yeah. I've lost enough money. Like extremely convenient, you know. Like I think about like, you know, Top Golf in Phoenix or Scottsdale is right next to Talking Stick. Like, I'll certainly go in and uh, and enjoy myself in there, but I'm not going out of my way to to go to the casino. Okay, because I asked because. I actually still want to put together a Suave Golf trip to Vegas at some point, mostly just to go play a couple of the courses at Paiute. I think all those Pete Dye courses out of Paiute are awesome. I've, I've, I've enjoyed all of them when I played them. Um, but now I'm a little bit worried because the Wall Street Journal was reporting that gamblers lost almost, are you ready for this, a fucking billion dollars at blackjack tables in Vegas last year, which is the I most since 2007, that. second highest amount on record. Uh, and, it's, uh, and it's not just bad luck. Apparently, you ready for this? Vegas casinos have made subtle changes to blackjack, uh, including t- <laughs> increasing table minimums, shrinking payouts for winning hands, and where it used to be if you got 21 of the first two cards, it'd pay you out 3 to 2, mm-hmm. but now most casinos are paying that at 6 to 5, which yeah. just is so awful. That. And that's the thing, like, I feel like the last time I went to Vegas, I could not find a single table that for I could play less for $20 a hand. Now, yep. am I cheap? Yes. Okay, like I, I'm just gonna come out and say, it. like I, you know, I'm, I'm not expecting to find a five dollar, you know, hand of like, you know, I'm not. Just, there's not five dollar tables in Vegas anymore, right? But I still would love to be able to just like have ten. Like I want to be able to put three hundred dollars down and at least have some sort of a chance. A couple to be able, hours. Yeah, like, at least make. Hey, I hope this can last for a couple hours. That just mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be the case anymore. And like, is this kind of stuff? Is does this scare you into being like, you know what, we don't need to do a Vegas golf trip anymore? Eh, I mean, it like. I think I'm more. I can't believe the fucking balls on these people. Golf. Six to five for a fucking Six blackjack. Six to five over three. And well, the other thing that I think is like kind of fucked up is I think that they make those changes assuming that like most people just don't understand the difference between three to two and six to five, where they're just like, oh yeah, it's like one, you know, 
three is one more than two and six is one more than five like okay and it is a significant significant difference that it grinds my who runs these fucking casinos stalin like is what the fuck's going on this is just very very wealthy folks yeah fuck that just made it didn't really have a whole lot to do with golf but i saw that in there and i just got sad because i fucking i love playing blackjack like i really i I fucking love blackjack like i i I don't go to the casinos definitely my my game blackjack and roulette would be my my two games yeah like I, i don't actually go to the casinos that often when i do i fucking love sitting down at the tables for a couple hours and that just bummed me out and i was like you know what i don't know if i'm gonna plan a trip to vegas here anytime soon at least for like a golf trip because it's, yeah. you know, now I'm, I'm already going to be sad from the fucking 10 double bogeys I made earlier in the day. I don't need to go fucking <laughs> lose, you know, <laughs> lose all my money in 15 minutes at the tables either. Um, okay. Uh, my dude, I think we're, I think we're coming up on kind of the end of this podcast here, brother. I mean, I, I don't really have a whole lot else. I know it's starting to get a little late. You know, we're recording this pod on Thursday. So the Memorial is already, the first round of the Memorial tournament's already in the books. Um, I don't think I really need to talk about it all that much. I'm not, eh. I didn't really watch any of them. I've been watching a lot of golf lately, even more so than I have at any point in the seven, eight years I've been doing this podcast. I've been watching more golf lately than ever. Did not watch any of it today. I was working all day. I don't know how much of the Memorial I'll get a chance to watch. Probably won't be watching much until the weekend. Yeah. Um, did you get a chance to watch game one of the finals today or this evening? I did. What'd you think? I, I, I saw what the final result was. I saw, I don't know, you, just any quick thoughts on the NBA, the playoffs, and the, the finals in general? Uh, Jokic is unbelievable. Um, I wish he was on the team that I root for. He is like. Are you are you a Laker superhuman? fan? Superhuman. No, I grew up a Laker hater. I'm just a fan of the game. I'm not like a huge just NBA a basketball guy. fan. I think I think living in Southern California. My wife's a big Laker fan, and so living in Southern California, and I'm a big LeBron guy. Um, always have been. Mm. So. Uh, I was very conflicted when he came to the Lakers, um, so I I certainly you know don't root against them like I did in my younger years, um, but no, I just like watching good basketball and like Jokic is good basketball and like the Nuggets are good basketball and um, Jimmy Butler is you know if we draw back to Brooks Kepka kind of a, a similar vibe right like playoff Jimmy and and major Brooks have kind of a, a similar mentality you certainly do um so it's been fun but I mean I I'm I would say gentlemen sweep for the nugs for their for their first ever NBA championship 4 mm-hmm. one would be my final prediction yep okay yeah I think I, I feel like Nuggets and five is kind of what I'm hearing almost everywhere. I Nuggets and four, why not? Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, why not? They looked they looked like they had the game in hand, kind of soup to nuts tonight. Yeah, I how many out of curiosity, how many different like sports podcasts do you listen to with any kind of like regularity? Um, a few probably. Uh, well, obviously this one, no laying up, Simmons, uh, pardon my take, Rosillo sporadically. I kind of just skip it. Um, I just kind of a lot of times I just skip to life advice when I listen to Rosillo. Life advice is so good. Um, yeah, I would say those are like the. Ma- it it depends on like what I'm doing, but I feel like I only have like a certain amount of time per week. 
yeah. to be able to to get through them. And so I try to keep up with the ones that I that I keep up with. So those are like my my top five. Yeah, because I, I I I you and I are in lockstep. Like I I listen to all the same ones plus a couple other ones. And like I was driving around work because. At the beginning of every month, because on top of doing Suave Golf and then doing, you know, the podcast, you know, I, work, I still work with my dad where we publish a, a magazine that has to go out and be distributed. So I'm out delivering magazines for like 11, 12 hours for a few days, like at the beginning of every month. Today was one of those days. And I just, I wanted to listen to something like, it just seemed like every fucking podcast, like, here's our NBA finals preview. And I was just like, yeah, I got to tell you, brother, I don't fucking care. Like, I'm going to watch. Yeah. I just I don't know if I need seventeen different shows breaking down a series between two teams that I don't really follow all that much. I, I just I'm gonna casually, casually watch. So I felt a little. I, I have to admit, Eddie, I felt a little dirty asking you for your NBA Finals thoughts because I was like, man, don't <laughs> listen to other people's fucking shows, and here I am fucking yeah. doing it on my own one. What, what the hell am I doing? Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's not necessarily the NBA's worst nightmare, but I'm sure they would have loved the Lakers Celtics. Final. A pro- ratings wise, probably would have. Although I gotta say, I, lo- I, I love watching Jokic play. Loved, I, I've loved He's watching Jokic play for a long time. That's um, yeah, it's fucking awesome. I hope, I hope he gets to win. I think that'd be awesome. Be awesome for Denver I too. too. Um, yeah, I think their home court advantage is a fucking problem. Also, yeah, dude, that's the thing. Is like forcing other teams to go play at elevation is so wild. Like that is such a fucking absurd ad- advantage. Like, I, I don't understand why, like, they're not just boat racing. I, the fact that they're not winning, like, 35 out of 41 home games every single year is shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they'll, I think the – that's probably a longer conversation for us to have, but I think there's probably some changes to the NBA regular season that um, could make it a little bit more compelling versus yeah. the – with the, the load management era and all of, all of that stuff where, like, you know – I mean the the heater and eight seed playing team. Uh, so play, sick. Like you know, it's does it really matter? He's just, you know, kind of, it's it's almost more. It's it's not the NCAA tournament because of because of the series length, but it's getting to be more of like, hey, let's just get to the dance and see what happens. Yeah, shout out to our guy Whiting. He sent me the great the the you know my favorite tweet that I've seen for the basketball so far, and this puts a nice little bow on it. Where it's like what a lot of people are thinking. It's like. Dude, Jimmy Butler is so unbelievable. The guy is just like the fucking biggest winner, you know, like the NBA's had in years. Just like unbelievable stuff. Nuggets and four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that nailed it. Oh, which is great. Um, you know, I very, uh, very briefly mentioned the memorial, and while you know we haven't got a chance to watch much of the first round yet, um, a segment of nice grass, nice people that I've been wanting to kind of turn into like a more regular thing. Uh, it's kind of our weekend scout profile where, you know, wherever the guys are playing for the tour, I just want to do like a quick little deep dive to kind of like what the golf scene is like. Uh, un- unless you got to get going here, brother, you want to take a couple minutes to hear, see what's the, I, I kind of, been cur- I-, I wanted to see if you have any takes on what the golf scene would be like in Dublin, Ohio. First of all, do you know where Dublin is in Ohio? You know, what's crazy is I was actually born in the state of Ohio and mm-hmm. I still don't know where Dublin, Ohio is. Born in Ohio, raised in California, roots for the Cowboys. You're you're a confusing dude, Andy Ferg. Indeed. Yeah, my dad was coaching at uh University of Toledo and we moved when I was like before I turned two. So Interesting. no little to no memories of uh of Toledo. Interesting. Well for those people that are uh gonna be watching the memorial this weekend, here's a little bit of info for you guys. So it's actually a suburb of Columbus 
And the city of Dublin is actually located in three different counties, Franklin, Delaware, and Union counties. I found, I found that to be fascinating. I don't know of any fucking towns anywhere around here in California that are divided into three different counties. So that, that in itself is pretty wild. Um, as of 2011, Dublin, ready for this, had the highest concentration of Asian citizens of any city in Ohio. Uh, 2013, many Japanese expatriates were working at the Honda offices there. Uh, and as, uh, as of that year, in some du- subdivisions in Dublin, um, Japanese American citizens make up 20 to 30% of the population. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. For, uh, who knows? Fun fact. Uh, let's see here. Uh, each year since 1976, uh, this tournament has been taking place at Muirfield Village Golf Club, of course, designed by, uh, all-time major leader Jack Nicholas. um, and on top of hosting the Memorial every year, it also hosted the 1987 Ryder Cup as well as the 2013 President's Cup. Um, out of curiosity, when you watch these guys play Muirfield, or Muirfield Village, excuse me, not, not to be confused with the, the granddaddy back across the pond, um, is this a golf course that you see them playing? You're like, dude, fuck yeah, I would love to play there. No. No. Do Nicholas courses no. really do it for you? Or just um, just this one specifically, or is it something about like Nicholas courses? I should I, that's how I should have said. No, it. I would say I I enjoy like there's a Nicholas course at PGA West that I enjoy. There's uh, I have no like polarizing take either way on Nicholas mm-hmm. courses, um, but this one just is kind of. You, well, you know what's crazy? Course. This golf course is rated like very very highly. I mean, this is far and away like the highest rated Jack Nicholas golf course. Like in the world, like when you look at yeah. like the top 100 ratings, like I think I was actually just kind of like cruising through the list yesterday, just kind of bullshitting with one of my buddies, um, just about some different courses, and I saw like on the latest like golf magazine rating, I thought they said like Muirfield Village was like they had it rated as like one of the, f- the 30 or 40 best golf courses in America, over like a lot of really pretty serious golf courses, including like Bandon Trails and Bandon Dunes, and I was like, wow. I was like that seems kind of wild, but. At the same time, you know, I it's not near the top of my bucket list, but I would love to play it. Um, sure. Before we go, and, you know, part of this, like, weekend scout thing that uh, I wanted to do is kind of learn a little bit about, like, the area where the guys are playing each weekend um, and then kind of see whether or not it would be worth it to take a golf trip. After doing some, some very serious and very labor-intensive research, Andy, um, the verdict that I came to is that it would not be worth it to take a trip to Dublin, Ohio. <laughs> Uh, for a golf trip with the boys, unless you have access to, unless you are a member at a club and your head pro is really sick and can kind of just get you on anywhere. If that's the case, there's a handful of like great private courses in and around like Columbus. You got Murfield Village. Uh, you have the Golf Club in New Albany, Ohio, which is like one of Pete Dye's earliest designs. Uh, and then you also have Scioto Country Club in Columbus, which is. Um, a Donald Ross course built in 1916 had the 1931 Ryder Cup, and that's where Jack Nicklaus uh, learned how to play. So if you have access to those courses, then maybe it'd be worth a long weekend. But otherwise, um, in my professional golf travel opinion, Andy, I think we can skip Columbus uh, for a boys golf trip here, at least at least for now. All right. I, I think that is that is fair. Yeah, I know that. Um, one thing my dad did tell me is when he was at Toledo, the head coach was a big golfer Mm -hmm. and he had a membership at Inverness and, uh, that place is supposed to be sweet. That place looks very, very sweet. I think, I mean, it's got, it's been redone somewhat recently and it looks 
cherry. If you go yeah, look at the photos of the women's, the Solheim women's, there, right? Yeah, yeah, the Solheim Cup was there not too long ago, and uh, I don't know. It was either it's either Seattle or it's Inverness. One of the two was you know renovated by Andrew Green, the same guy that did the renovation at Oak Hill for the PGA. So some similar aesthetics, and honestly, that's one thing I will say is that for that PGA Championship, that course looked fucking rad. Sure did. <laughs> you know what it looks radder? LACC. Dude, I mean, I feel like we're gonna have, we're gonna be doing a couple podcasts here in the next couple weeks at least. I mean, I haven't actually like formally put it on the calendar and asked you, you know, what your availability looks like, but I can only imagine that. I mean, I'm fucking really excited for this U.S. Open, and I fucking cannot wait to watch these guys play Los Angeles Country Club. Yeah, I uh, shamelessly bought a U.S. Open LACC hoodie um, and will not be attending the tournament and have never stepped foot on the grounds at LACC. Well, I was going to say, like, how how long would it take you to drive to LACC from Orange County where you're at? Two um, hours? No, uh, probably, I mean, no traffic, uh, hour, hour and 15 minutes. Is there any chance you could pivot and go? I think Marky's going with some customers. Why don't you call Mark? Um, call Mark. See if he's got. A, there's a little bit more, you know, in the in the budget. Yeah, I would. I would love to go to the golf course. I, I have so to. Good. I'm a little surprised you're not going. Yeah, I heard it's not like an awesome spectator golf course. Hmm. Um, I mean, it is built on the side of a fucking hill. Yeah. Um. That being said, I don't know. Jerry's still out. For, for anybody who's looking uh, to get a little amped, uh, you know, a little extra amped, uh, Friday put another one of those videos out uh, on LACC, I think yesterday or the day before. Highly recommend going to check that out. A lot of interviews with Jeff Shackelford, who is a personal favorite uh, of mine. They get a lot of time with Gil Hans, who did the renovation. And then uh, I think No Laying Up also just put out another video that they filmed during the media day. It's pretty entertaining. A lot of good content coming out around Los Angeles Country Club on the interwebs that... Uh, I have already consumed a lot of, will continue to consume, and I cannot wait. The one thing I will say, I have a friend. He will, no, fuck it, we'll name him, Brad. You met Brad last year, Bannon. This motherfucker had the audacity to get married on Saturday of U.S. Open weekend. And so I'm going to be in Tahoe the weekend of the U.S. Open, and I already am trying to figure out, well, I've already decided that I'm just going to ignore my family and friends for most of the weekend and just watch golf on my phone during the festivities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess I'm just trying to figure out how, like, when people are asking me what's going on, how I can politely ignore them and get and get the point across mm-hmm. that I'm not to be disturbed. Do you have Do you have any input? Yeah, and maybe just like you can kind of try to loop them into the co- like gauge their you know interest in like oh you know any, anything else in the world going on for you this weekend that you're thinking of that's top of mind Father's Day no okay <laughs> what, US Open no you didn't mention it okay well yeah I, I'm gonna run to the restroom real fast yeah <laughs> I will, I'll see you in four hours that's great um, yeah man I, I cannot wait for this US Open it's gonna be great we got uh, yeah well I, I, unless he is unavailable I think uh, it's only fitting if you me and Mr. Dirt recongregate here in a week or two Going for back. a big old US Open preview I I'll be very curious if Durr's been there before. I mean, he's played so much like high-level competitive golf. My guess is that he hasn't played a competitive round there, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's like been there for something. I'd be eager yeah. to know. Did you see that Max Homa shot a 61 there in a competitive round when he was at Cal, when they did the I Pac-12 did. championship there? I did. Now, this is a U.S. Open. Is 61 or something like that on the table for anybody? Or do you think that was a... I don't think so. Okay. 
I would be shocked. I wonder, like... They can stretch it out to, like, 70, 75 or 76, I think. Well, that's what's so crazy about it. It's like, it just seems so unlike what the typical U.S. Open venue is like and the fact that it's big, wide fairways, you know. Mm-hmm. And as as all the, you know, all the uh, design and architecture, you know, hardos, always, you know, praising width and angles, which, again, I'm actually in that camp, so I can't, I can't talk too yeah. much shit. Um, the golf course is so wide, like, off the tee, that it'll be really curious to see what the scoring is looking like at the end of that tournament. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're going to... It didn't look too gnar. I watched like the first little bit of that knowing update. It didn't look like the rough wasn't mega crazy. Um, it'll be interesting. And you know they're not going to really get any kind of inclement weather for the most part being in L.A. in June. I will say this. If there's anybody listening to this podcast that is currently a member at Los Angeles Country Club, I would strongly encourage you to uh, reach out to the podcast, nicegrassnicepeople at gmail.com. Uh, that's where we are taking anything, any thoughts or th- anything about the podcast that you guys want to share, uh, or any invitations that you want to extend to Andy and myself for any golf going okay. forward. I would, I would implore you to reach out to us via nice grass, nice people at gmail.com. And we will be happy to come play around with you and then report back on the podcast about what our actual in-person thoughts are. So I'm just going to throw, Absolutely. just, I felt like that needed to be thrown out there. Just, yeah. you know, no, great call. Um, yeah, man. I uh yeah, very, very stoked to watch. Um yeah, so we got the Memorial this weekend, then the Canadian Open and then back to the US Open. It, do you do you like this new schedule by the way, the PGA in May, or do you think this is a little too stacked? Is it is this too much important golf condensed into too short a t- amount of time, or do you kinda like that they're all coming rapid fire with just a couple weeks in between? I dig it. Okay. I think it's like gets you fired up and kind of It's the season, man. The yeah. Yeah, why not? Let's. Yeah, I, I, I love it. What, what are your What are your thoughts on it? I've like since they made the change, I've always really liked it. I'll. I will say this though, like, I do wonder if I like it the way it is. I I like it. There's not golf that I have to pay attention to for like big chunks of the year, especially like in the fall. I can kind of just go do other stuff. I can focus on mm-hmm. my shitty fantasy football team or whatever else that I'm doing in the fall. Um, but I do I. I I do feel like I wish some of these golf tournaments had like a little bit more of a run up. I mean, isn't that kind of what makes the Masters so great? Is that like it's the first yeah. major? Like it just has like months, just like oh, this major's coming up. I just I, I do feel the bad that some of these tournaments only basically seem to get like two weeks of like you know hype and you know a lead into the tournament. Where I feel like some of them deserve a little more juice. But I I, I do like the cal- I like that you know I like the way the calendar works out right now. Like, yeah, is basically the way I would say it. Um, yeah, I mean, they could really put it wherever they wanted to, and I would be... Yeah, I'm going to fucking watch either way. Um, all right. Nice person. Andy Furtig. Great podcaster, brother. You got anything else you want to share with the uh, the fine listeners out there? Anything uh, anything you want to plug? Salesforce got any cool new stuff that they're trying to sell or trying to hawk on us right now? Absolutely not. Great. Nothing to plug. Uh, Suave Golf. Suave Golf. That's a great point. This episode is proudly presented by Suave Golf. I don't think I'm going to see you there, although if you want to come up, I've got you covered. The Barefoot Classic, the second annual, is happening in September. Saturday, September 23rd, you can go to suavegolf.com, click on our sabbaticals. If you want to come and join the boys for a big old day of camaraderie, partying, and swinging, I would very much encourage you to come sign up for the Barefoot Classic. We've got the barbecue going on. Guys are going to be out there playing 18 holes. It's 
grass in between the toes. It just is so satisfying. I will say this. It is fucking hard to find a golf course that will let you host <laughs> a, go- a barefooted golf tournament. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know if I could even explain to you how many fucking golf courses I got turned down by before I finally decided, all right, we'll just go back. Because we had it at Benna Valley last year. We're going to do it again this year. They treat us really, really well. Um, so it's going to be taking place again here in my hometown of Santa Rosa at Benna Valley Golf Course, um, which is great. We've got a couple uh, little minor changes we made. We're going to be playing a shamble, a uh, two-man shamble. Oh, love a shamble. Love a shamble. We're going to keep things very casual, um, but we're going to keep the fun at a very, very high level. So anybody that wants to partake in that, plenty of spots open. We just opened registration a couple days ago. Plenty of spots left if you want to come join me and uh, some fellow suavitos for a day of fun, camaraderie, shot-making, and strong beverages. Uh, Go to suavegolf.com. Click sabbaticals. Sign up for the Barefoot Classic. We look forward to seeing you there. Um, All right. That's all I had to plug, Andy. So why don't we bid these people adieu? Adieu. Adieu. Adios, everybody.